Well, good morning, everyone, once again. How are you? If you have your Bible, will you take it and turn with me to John chapter 10? John chapter 10, verse 10. That was the first verse that was read in the New Testament uh, scripture, selected scriptures. And uh, we'll get to that, uh, that passage in just a moment. Today we're going to start a uh, new five-part series um, called Overflow. You should have gotten some information upon that, about that over the past couple of weeks. It's a series on the uh, power and the person of the Holy Spirit um, in our lives today. And, and a number of months ago when, when Rick came to me and asked me to fill in part of his sabbatical leave, as I began to think about what I would share and, and how we would take these, these few weeks that we have together, it felt like the Lord was really impressing upon me to, to speak a message, to bring a message and a series of messages concerning the person and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to take the next five weeks and we're just going to meander through the Scriptures gently and, and in an easy fashion and see what it means to have the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit real and active in our lives today. Now, as I say that, some of you may may hedge a bit and some of you may get defensive based on different uh, backgrounds or where we've come from. And I know that that the topic of the Holy Spirit is one that can that can leave people with a lot of questions, with a lot of uh, confusion or some misunderstanding. And so what I want to do this morning at the beginning is to just lay a foundation of four working assumptions that will guide us through the rest of these five weeks. Four working assumptions that will help us understand where we're coming from, what we're talking about, and how we will move forward. First of all, the first working assumption is this, that the Holy Spirit is the divine third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. There is no question about that. There is no doubt about that. We will not waver back and forth on that. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity and is God. The Holy Spirit sits in the Godhead with the full, with the same authority and position as the Father and the Son. There is no question. He has a different ministry. He has a different purpose. But the Holy Spirit is fully God. That's our first working assumption. The second working assumption is that the Holy Spirit is a person and has personal characteristics, some of which we will talk about in the next few weeks. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit is not a ghost is not a goblin, and the Holy Spirit is not a feeling. The Holy Spirit has feelings Himself. The Holy Spirit has emotion. The Holy Spirit has desire. The Holy Spirit, as a person, can be prayed to just as we pray to the Father and just as we pray to the Son. In fact, I try to make it a point when I do the opening prayers in our worship services that I always ask the Holy Spirit personally and directly to come and to teach us and to guide us that morning because that is one of His jobs. So the Holy Spirit is holy, is divine, is part of the the Trinity, and is a person, has characteristics, has a specific job to do. 
One of the uh, great reference works on the Holy Spirit is called The Person and Work of the Holy Spirit, written by R.A. Torrey. It is a great read. Um, it's a bit academic, but if you would like more information on who the person and, and the work of the Holy Spirit is, this is a great tool to use um, in that study. Our third working assumption is this, that over these next few weeks, we are not attempting to invoke the, the, the supernatural manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Where those are real and true, where those manifestations that sometimes we don't understand, where they are real and true, we test the spirits and we approve them just as 1 John chapter 4 asks us to do. And so we affirm those manifestations when the Spirit has been tested and they are found to be true. But again, our efforts over the next few weeks are not to invoke these supernatural manifestations. It's not to seek those out. That's While they're valid when they're tested and found true, that's not the purpose of these next five weeks. Similarly, our fourth working assumption is this, that we will not be spending the next five weeks investigating the gifts of the Spirit or tongues or the issues that surround them. Again, where they are valid, we we affirm them. We test the spirits. But over the next five weeks, that's not our focus. That's not our purpose. There can be great confusion. And it's not as though we're, we're, we're hedging against it. It's not like we're sidestepping the issue. Because if you will remember, we talked a bit about that last summer when we looked at the whole book of 1 Corinthians. We dealt with those issues of gifts and tongues head on. We've already done that as a congregation. That is not the focus of our next five weeks in this series called Overflow. Now, if you would like to discuss those items or those issues or you have questions about that or you're trying to wrap your head around the Trinity and how that works and and all of those different kinds of things, again, feel free to call us. Feel free to call us, contact us in the church office. We would love to sit down and talk with you about those. We're We're not afraid of those issues. The point is this, that's not the focus for these five weeks. So what is the point? Where are we going over the next five weeks? What is... that that we want to focus on, what will we explore? To set that up, I offer you this thought. I think many of us are not living to the potential that God has for us. I think many of us are not living to the potential that God wants for us and desires for us. I think something's missing in many of our hearts and many of our lives. Simply said, we're missing the fullness. We are missing the fullness of the power and the person of the Holy Spirit in our daily lives. Keep in mind the working assumptions that we've just talked about, that I just gave you, and look at our daily lives. The Holy Spirit is God, but is He God in our daily lives? The Holy Spirit has a specific job, is a person, and has come for a very specific uh, purpose. But are those purposes lived out in our daily lives? Do we every day ask God, the Holy Spirit, to fill us with power, to guide us each day, to teach us from His Word? Are we tapping into the fullness of the Spirit that God intends for us? I submit to you that oftentimes we do not. There's something missing that God never intended us to be missing out on. So let's dive in.
John chapter 10, verse 10. Look there with me. This verse, as we look at this verse, is is pulled out of a larger context of John chapter 10. I'm looking just at this one verse for this moment, and it's set within a larger parameter, a larger context of Jesus' ministry and teaching in John chapter 10. We see that, that Jesus is explaining to the people around Him just who He is, who He came to be. He's using illustrations and word pictures that they would understand so that He can um, assure them of His ministry and of His purpose. And in the middle of that context, John records Jesus' words when He says this, The thief comes only to steal and destroy. Here He's explaining the illustration that He's already set up in that context. And then He says this, and the point that I want to draw out this morning, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The purpose of Christ was so that He would come and offer people life and a life that is full. Here Jesus paints the picture of His ministry and His mission. The first part of this verse of this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The first part of that, eternal and eschatological in nature. The second part carries a distinctly temporal tone. Jesus came to bring life to people. He came to bring an eternal life. He came to bring a heaven life represented in a relationship with Him that we will in a few moments share together and remember together in communion. There is no doubt He came to bring eternal life. But He has also come. He has also come to bring life to the full. Both here and now, in a temporal tone. He shifts from a, an eternal word picture that I have come to bring you life, and not only life, but that you would have a full life. Here and now, a right now living. Where we live, where we act, where we are, God has come through Christ to bring us a full life. The word full here, if we would break that out, the word full here really means abundant. I think it's a mathematical term that means too much to calculate, too numerous to calculate. God has given us a full life. A life the intended purpose of Christ is that you would not only have eternal salvation locked and secured and stowed away, but that you would also then, as you live and breathe and walk every day, have a life that is full, so full of God's goodness, so full of God's riches, so abundant that it's too numerous to calculate. The word can also be rendered overflow. God has come through Christ to bring us a life that is overflowing. Later, in John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus continues to paint this picture and He gathers with His disciples and He begins to tell them of, of the way of the cross. He begins to tell them and draw this picture out a little bit more. And He says, he says in just a few moments, it was that night, just a few moments, He would be betrayed into the hands of sinners. He would go to the cross that weekend. He would die. He would be resurrected to new life. And then He would go away. And He's telling them in John 14, 16, He's showing them, I must leave you. I must go away to fulfill the purposes. But while He is gone, the Father will give to them and to us 
another counselor. Jesus leaves, and when He leaves, the Father gives to them, and now passed on to us in our Christian heritage, another counselor to be with us forever, the Spirit of Truth. Luke writes in Acts 1.8 that Jesus said that this Holy Spirit would come and give power. He would give the disciples power. He would give them power to live and to be His witnesses to His ministry and to His teaching. That we, in this heritage that we, that we uh, share with the disciples, that we, as we embrace Christ, not only do we have eternal security, not only is heaven secured for us when we say yes to Christ, but He has given us another counselor. He has given us power through the Holy Spirit that we would be His witnesses to the ministry and to the teachings of Christ. Paul writes, to the Ephesians in chapter 5 about this spirit of truth. Speaking of how we are to live as followers of Christ, he says this, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. This word, these two words, be filled in the original language, actually carries the idea of perpetual action. It's continuous. It's not be filled and there it sits and, and, and as long as the water doesn't evaporate, we're okay. It's not the idea of filled once, set aside, and, and someday when we need it, we will come back to it. The word picture is perpetual. It's continuous action. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Continuous be, be, being filled. That is how we are to live life. We as Christ followers are not to live life just settled and secured in our, in our eternal security, but we are also to live life in the fullness and the richness and the overflowing abundance of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to a point where it overflows in us. We are overflowing with God's goodness. We are overflowing with His richness. The words that Paul uses, it paints the picture of overflowing in our lives. So if we pull back the lens on this picture, we see that God became flesh in Jesus Christ to heal a broken, eternal relationship and to give a life that is full and overflowing. Christ offers this relationship uh, to us, to God, through faith in His work on the cross, and His resurrection. And when Christ returned to the Father, the Holy Spirit was given. As soon as Christ ascended, it was a matter of days that, as Luke records in the, in the book of Acts, that the Holy Spirit was then given to the people. God's presence is not gone. God's presence has not left, but continues through the person and the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us. He set His seal of ownership on us and put His Spirit in our hearts, guaranteeing what is to come. And then in Romans 15:13 Paul writes, "May the God of hope fill you fill you 
so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Eternal life is not only secured through Christ, but He came that we may have life to the full. A life that is available to each and every one of us through the power of the Holy Spirit who is not distant, who is not far off, who does not need to be uh, invited into our homes as some guest is. He lives within us. He's in our hearts. He reigns in our bodies. Our body is a temple, Paul says, of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is already in us. That's what's available to us. That's what's available for us. But is this how we live? Is this how we live? Do we really believe the words that are written in Scripture? Do we really live our lives under the power and the conviction and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us? I would submit to you that too often we don't. And for some of us, I would say that we've never even realized that the Holy Spirit was in us and able to, to give us this power and this life and this overflowing abundance. We've never even thought about it. Perhaps we've never even been taught that. These references, these scripture readings are totally new to us. I think many of us, I think many of us live day by day, moment by moment, Instant by instant, and situation by situation. Hoping that somehow we can muddle through life. Trying to figure it out for ourselves. Fighting our our frustration. Fighting our, our insecurities. Treading water every day. And asking ourselves the question, how much, how much longer can I tread water till I drown? I think many of us live life in the depths of disappointment and frustration and anxiety and hoping that one day, hoping one day, things will get better. I don't know how, I don't know where it's going to come from, but I hope one day things will get better. All the while, all the while the Holy Spirit lives within our hearts waiting to be unleashed in power in our lives. We live life trying to muddle through, trying just to get by, treading water, all the while the Holy Spirit is residing within us and asking us and begging us and through the Scriptures instructing us, would you please ask me to fill you? Please ask me to fill your life and I will give you a life both here and now that is abundant, that is full, that is overflowing, that is something you can't even imagine, that you can't even describe. And I don't even have words to illustrate it to you because of the way God works in our hearts and lives through the Holy Spirit. We know and understand this eternal life perspective. We've got that. We've said yes to the prayer. We're locked in for eternity. But then we turn around and we live life with, with, with this inept, inept ability to get through. We're weak. We're impotent in our life. And we don't know how to make it work. 
Not only did He come to bring eternal life, but He came to give us a life that is full and overflowing through the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think we've missed it. How do we know that we've missed it? When 41% of Christian marriages end in divorce, we've missed it. When Christians who've experienced divorce feel that their community of faith, their home church, provides rejection rather than support and healing, we've missed it. When 57% of pastors say that addiction to pornography is the most sexually damaging issue to their congregation, we've missed it. When 60% of our churches decline in attendance, we've missed it. When churches experience zero growth in a year, we've missed it. When churches become places of privilege and power and position, we've missed it. When people care more about the outward appearance than the heart of a person, we've missed it. When habits of life and of the heart contradict the teachings of Scripture and the character of God, we've missed it. When we sense that God is leading us individually in one direction in life and we do a 180 and run the opposite direction, we've missed it. When God becomes a joke and church is just a game, we've missed it. And each time we give in to temptation, we miss it. Yet this is how we choose to live life. Thankful that we pray to prayer, that we believe in Christ and have eternity secured. But then we live filling our lives with things that leave us empty, unfulfilled, powerless, wandering, and questioning. Let me try to illustrate this point for you this morning. We will pour into our hearts and we will pour into our lives um, destructive habits. And we will pour into our hearts and we will pour into our lives consuming hobbies that take us away from the things that God desires in us. And we will pour into our lives inappropriate relationships of different people in different places at different times. And we will mix it all together. We will mix it all together with the wisdom and the counsel and the guidance of people who are far from God. The people that we work with, the people that are in our neighborhoods, the people that that are in our families who are far from God, we seek their wisdom, we seek their counsel, we seek their guidance, and we mix this all together in our lives and we drink it in. And it's disgusting. (laughs) It is absolutely disgusting. But for many of us, for many of us, That is how we've chosen to live our lives. That's what we pour into our lives. That's what sits at the center of our heart. And we drink it in, wondering, 
all along, the, all, the, all the while that we're living that way, wondering and asking, why am I sick? Why am I empty? Why am I broken? Why am I powerless? Many of us will never stop. Boy, that was really gross. <laughs> Many of us will never stop and never change until there's a crisis. Many never change until the pain of remaining the same outweighs the pain of change. Do you understand that? We will not change our lives. It's, it's something about the sinful nature, I'm sure, within each and every one of us. We choose not to change. And you can look at your life, you can look at your health, you can look at your finances, you can look at every other part of your life, and this is true. You will never change until the power, the, the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of what the change requires. Until we realize I will be more sick right here, right now, living this kind of life, than I will when I change, as hard as it is, as difficult as it, as it is, as painful as it may be, until that change outweighs the pain of change, we will continue to drink in that kind of life. A friend of mine said it this way. He said, it wasn't until I was headed towards divorce and was faced with losing my family that it hit me. I needed to change. That's how we live. All the while, all the while there's this fountain that's flowing in our hearts and in our lives that God wants to pour out into us and overflow into our lives the goodness and greatness of Him and pour out into the lives of other people as He fills us. That's the image that God wants of the fountain. The purity of Him pouring into our lives. But all too often, all too often, we walk around life with this glass mixed with things that do not work, mixed with things that are broken, and this is what we choose to drink. And again, we wonder, why are we sick? Why are we broken? Why are we powerless? This series is not about salvation. It really isn't. We hope that you come to Christ. We, we hope that you come to faith in Him and, and ask Christ to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. But can I tell you, for too, for too long... The church, this church and the church in North America has forgotten that there's a Holy Spirit that lives with inside of us. And until we start asking the Holy Spirit to fill us, to empty us of the garbage and to fill us with His power and His presence, to allow Him, to allow Him to do His work in our lives that He came to do, we will never grow as God intends for us to grow. And we will never experience what God intends for us to experience. So while this series is not about salvation per se, it is about what happens after we've said yes. And it, we ask ourselves the question, what do I ask of the Holy Spirit in my life? I wonder what would happen if we really tapped into the person and the power of the Holy Spirit, what would overflow in our lives?
You know, I think there are hallmark moments in our lives when we can look back and see how God did something amazing because we were willing to live in the overflow. I want to live in the overflow. I look back at how meeting God in missions went from an idea from the mind of a reluctant FAC team member who was on a missions trip to an international ministry that's impacting countless lives in the Dominican Republic. I think of, a, of how a few FACers burdened with feeding poor orphans in Haiti created hearts for the hungry. Now an international agency dedicated to making sure children have a meal in Jesus' name. I look at how our community impact team and food pantry teams, our women's ministry and our men's ministry and Married Life Live and and Epic Faith who was leading us in worship this morning. I look at how they grow and stretch us and push us out of our comfort zones to impact and to reach people for Christ. People who are hungry, literally hungry, hundreds of them every week at our food pantry door. People who are hungry, people who are desperate, people who are searching for answers. All of this and more and more to come in the future because a few people open their hearts to the Holy Spirit and ask Him if they too can live in the overflow. That's where I want to live. I don't know about you. I don't know about your life. I don't know what's going on in your world. I know this, that the presence of the Holy Spirit is within us. The person of the Holy Spirit resides in our hearts and He sits there longing and waiting to be asked as a kind gentleman, never forcing His way, waiting to be asked, will you please unleash me Let me fill your life. Let me move in your hearts. Let me do the unimaginable in your home. And it's our choice. Imagine if we would live life to the full as God intended. Imagine if we'd put away our misconceptions and fears of who the Holy Spirit is and really tap into the power and the presence that He wants for us. What would God do in your home? In your marriage? What would He do for your family or at your job? Imagine living in the overflow of God's goodness. That's what we're going to look at for the next couple of weeks. I hope that you'll join us on the journey. I hope that you'll join in on the conversation each week we are Uh, leaking a few thoughts about the upcoming sermon for that Sunday through a blog that that we've established. We'll, We'll be sending out some Twitter announcements about the service. Join the conversation. Let us hear from you. Tell us what God, through the Holy Spirit, is doing in your hearts and in your lives. Maybe today, for the very first time, or maybe today, again for the 10th, 20th, 50th time. You'll come back to the Holy Spirit and commit to living your life in the overflow. Let's journey together, will we? Let's pray.
Father, you are very clear in your word that you have asked us to not simply enjoy the rights of salvation, which we will celebrate here in a moment. But God, it is clear from your word that you invite us to live a life that is full and that is abundant, that is literally a life that is overflowing. And it's through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that we will experience this. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and and challenge us. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. But would you release within each and every one of us individually the desire to have your power flow through us. And God, may we see you do amazing things in our hearts and in our lives because we are committed to you. That's our prayer. And as we approach this table this morning, I pray that we would not only celebrate the security of salvation, but we would celebrate the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in each of our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.